Hello, everybody. This is Tom Holtz coming to you from South Florida, and welcome to the latest installment of the ASPA South Florida podcast, Public Sector Works. We hope all of you have had a great uh, few weeks, uh, so to speak, since our last podcast with Dr. Caraballo, and uh, which uh, we do want to thank the increased number of listeners that are uh, joining us. Uh, and Dr. Caraballo is, but we really have a very, very great guest host today. And before we, and before we start that, though, I want to introduce Isidoro Lopez. If Isidoro, well, now he has just turned on his mic because he now has decided he wants to speak to us. Uh, the, the, the president of the board of directors. How are you doing, Izzy? Pretty good, Tom. Thank you. Thank you all for anybody out there listening. Please uh, tune into our podcast. They try to be as informative as possible. Today we have one of the titans of, uh, of our field, uh, a mentor of mine, Dr. Valerie Patterson. She is a juggernaut in this field, and I'm, I'm so happy she's going to join us. And for anyone out there listening, interested in finding out more about ASPA, please visit our website at aspasouthflorida.com. Also, for our locals that may be listening to this this week, uh, tune in to our Best Practices Conference taking place on February 19th. You can also uh, access that conference by visiting our website. So without further ado, Tom, uh, Valerie, you guys are in for a treat. I'm looking forward to listening. Thank you. Thank you very much, Izzy. Uh, but I, and I do want to say one more thing for anybody in the South Florida area or even beyond who may be interested in membership in our organization. Uh, if you uh, log on to the uh, website that uh, Izzy gave you, uh, we're more than happy to answer any questions you may have about membership. We're looking for more active membership. We're proud to boast one of the highest uh, number of members in the uh, South Florida area, uh, but we're always looking for more. And we're looking for people to become actively involved. Uh, COVID, unfortunately, has put a damper on a lot of things, uh, but uh, it hasn't stopped the podcast, and that's the major thing. Uh, so I am now going to uh, shut my mouth, but before I do that, I want to thank Dr. Patterson once again, who crashed the party last month, if any of you remember, and came on for a few minutes. Well, now she's here for the whole time. How are you today, Dr. Patterson? I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. I'm, I'm fine. How, how are you, Tom? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing great. And, and we'd like to talk about, uh, we'd like to talk about your, your background in, uh, in, in academe, uh, as well as you also had a little industry experience as I, as, uh, from looking at your CV. Uh, but you have been in FIU from the very, you, you got your bachelor's in 1981. Right. Uh, the, so I, I started as an undergrad, um, when FIU was, um, uh, upper level institution, so you could only get your your junior and uh, complete your se- junior and senior year when I started, and so um, so I started in seventy seven. Right, took me a little longer to graduate than the two years because I started my family and and was working and and doing other things. But yeah, so my first foray on campus was um, 
July of 1977. Wow. Yesterday. I just graduated college myself in 76. So uh, that's, uh, and then, um, and then you went, you, you certainly had a passion for education uh, and you went through FIU all the way. Uh, what made you decide to do that? Well, you know, it, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a challenge that, that many of us had it during that time. And, and those of us who, who um, grew up in the communities, um, I grew up in Coconut Grove here in, in Miami and, you know, my mother was divorced and, we didn't really have the income to uh, to for for her to send me away, and you know, first it was Miami Dade, and, and and then FIU. But at that point, I was I had um, gotten I was recently married, and and once you start a family, the opportunity to to leave and go other parts of, to other parts of the country for your education um, becomes more and more of a challenge. It might be easier to do that today. I'm not quite sure. But during that time, it was it was very difficult. But the fortunate um, component for, for me and others who um, I completed <laughs> several programs with is that we have these great institutions locally and that we have an institution like FIU locally that um, allowed me the opportunity to, to receive um, great education without having to, to, to leave my home and, and my family. I think that's very true of uh, most urban uh, centers. Uh, I myself, back in Brooklyn, went to Long Island University, uh, which was right in the heart of downtown Brooklyn, and it was basically a commuter school. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, you also have Brooklyn College there for people mm-hmm. that want the, you know, that want the more traditional Ivy, you know, Ivory Tower atmosphere. But nonetheless, uh, you, you, you then progressed and it looks, and they, and they gave you a lot of support. Um, you are now involved as a clinical professor. Uh, and, uh, tell us a little bit about that. What do you do? So, so just recently um, promoted to um, was was clinical associate for <clears throat> for several years, and just recently um, promoted to clinical full. But um, in my case, it's a predominantly um, teaching assignment in terms of the the discipline of public administration uh, that I have been uh, teaching on on the faculty. Uh, almost full time since since 1990, 1998, right? And and so that's uh, teaching lots of, of research, and, uh, not I'm sorry, uh, lots of service involved. Some mm-hmm. some research, right? Some writing, but um, predominantly focused on the delivery of the courses across. Um, for me, it's bachelor's program and the master's program. And then um, service in on multiple university committees and and um, activities. Some um, uh, working with student organizations, and most recently, in my case, appointed director of the uh, African and African Diaspora Studies program at um, at FIU. So it's very impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about the African Diaspora program? Right, so so this is a program that um, 
uh, was initiated in, in the late, late um, 90s and has had several directors over the years. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a student, as an undergrad student, I've always, not even as an undergrad, I want to say from elementary school, I have had this strong interest in um, um, Black history, um, African-American history, as a child and on up through my adulthood. And a lot of it was formed by the, the teachers in my, in, in my schooling, right? I attended uh, Coconut, I attended um, G.W. Carver Elementary School mm-hmm. in Coconut Grove, and, um, which was segregated <laughs> during the time that, that I was a student. And so I've always had this interest in coming out of the, the, um, the doctoral program at FIU, and I graduated in 95, uh, and shortly that, thereafter was appointed assistant dean of the School of, of um, International and, and um, actually the, the name changed, the College of Urban and, and, and Public Affairs. And so um, I heard about this, the African, African, it was at that point called African New World Studies Program. And so that was an interest of mine. And um, I reached out and then started participating in the programming and then served on there. It was appointed to their first uh, as a, a liaison between that program, which, that, which focuses on issues and concerns of people of African and African uh, diasporic descent um, through classes. There's a, there's a, um, one year uh, MA online program. So um, started as first as a liaison between that program and, and, and my, my college and, and then my discipline, public administration. And then was appointed um, uh, a member of its steering committee, probably early 2000, 2004 or five and had served on the, the steering committee since that time. And then um, when there was a need for a, a new director and I, I felt compelled to um, step forward and was um, supported by the other members of the, the steering committee and then appointed by my dean to serve as, as the director of the program. So. Okay. Can you can you give us an idea of what the functions are of a steering committee uh, in academe and how specifically you were able to gear that towards uh, the study of, uh, of black history? Because this sounds like a, a mixture of you have a public administration background, but here you're going into uh, more of the historical. Did you have, uh, you know, so tell us about the uh, about how the steering committee works and what the functions are for our listeners. Right. So, so for me, just to, to just to go back, just to take a step back before I address your your question, Tom, it sure. was that that um, um, that clearly in in studying the um, in in serving as a faculty member in the public policy, which is now called the public Poli- public policy and administration program, but but serving as a faculty member in the public administration program. Mm-hmm. Offered me the opportunity that the the writing that I have done, that um, the teaching, uh, much much of the teaching that I have done, has focused on um, uh, issues that impact um, uh, 
minority group populations, how, how government and minority group okay. populations engage and okay. interact okay. in the delivery of, of government services in, in communities that may be disadvantaged. And so uh, because I had that interest, right, and then um, I, my goal was to incorporate that, that, um, those issues into my teaching, and and and, and fortunately for, for for me, in the uh, the P, uh, public policy administration program, there there are several courses. One of them is government and minority group relations, and I'm currently teaching uh, mm-hmm. that course online. Mm-hmm. And so so whether it was a Compa or whether it was ASPA, a national, I've those are those are the the that's the area that I've I've, I've tried to to write about, and and there there was overlap, right? There was overlap with the African and African diaspora studies program because right. uh, students may have an interest in national or international policy. It could be social justice. It could be um, social advocacy, and, and particularly focused on people of African and African diaspora um, uh, descent. And, and that was, it became sort of a, a great opportunity for me to, to draw uh, and pull and, and balance um, my um, topics and research interests that, that I had. It's uh, it, it's it's a, it was a very interesting and unique opportunity that they gave you, uh, and um, I, I think uh, in terms of you, you know you cer- you've certainly explained uh, the the cross uh, the cross correlation. Um, what have been? Let me ask. Let me ask this. I'm more interested actually from what you were talking about is. What particular research interests have you had during your career that you were really able to sink your teeth into, so to speak, uh, especially in terms of uh, in terms of sort of the African American uh, experience? Right. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's a that's a that's a great question, and um, and so it really um, for me it really was thinking about um, how um, government engages uh, diverse communities, um, specifically and particularly African-American communities, and um, whether it's um, through housing policy, whether it's through um, um, law enforcement or criminal justice policy, whether it's through economic development. And so I've been uh, very drawn to the, the work of, of, um, of Susan, uh, Dr. Dean now Susan Gooden, uh, her her um, her work on on social equity, and so I, that's mm. that's an area that I've you know I've um, tried to focus on in 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 um, whenever there's a, a, a Aspen National Conference, I trying to find a, a, a track that would allow me to write about about those issues because you know um, people say that Miami is a is the laboratory. And we certainly have an opportunity to um, to, to look across, um, and and I don't even want to say um, Miami Dade County. We can look beyond, we can look at Broward or even Palm Beach County to look for examples of of 
government intersection. So what I did was um, very, very interesting. And, and so I, I want to go back a second because there, there was a part of your question, <laughs> your previous question that I did, I didn't really answer. And it's like, you know, thinking about um, how one might go from um, being on uh, the faculty of a, a public policy and administration program yes. to, to being a director of uh, African and African diaspora studies program. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I, what I've noticed over the years, um, so I came into PA, I, I was, I was um, admitted to two doctoral programs in, in the late eighties. One of them was, I think I was in the college of education and the other was in the school of international and public affairs. And, and I came into to public administration, like, some of my other students not really having a clear sense of what uh, public administration, what what that discipline was, right? Yeah. And so I was working in corporate healthcare at the time. Thank you. And, yes. I was and, uh, and, and, you know, when people found out, because I had been at this organization, um, I had been in this, this healthcare corporation for like 10 years. And when people found out that I was taking a leave of absence to, to work on my doctorate, um, they, they would invariably ask, so what's your major? And I, I would say public administration. And they would say, huh? Yeah. And i say public administration. And i say, what? And, and so then like the, the seventh side. person, after the seventh person was like confused by what that is, what that was, hmm. I... I, I said thermonuclear physics, and people were like, "Oh wow, that's that's impressive!" And so, you know, I tell my students all the time that that's sort of the challenge that I faced going in because I wasn't even I wasn't even certain. But but once I started to study and realized it's you know the administration of the delivery of government services, it's those people on the front lines of delivering government services is those people who are engaged in the, the creating the policy and, and, and practice of the delivery of government services. I said, oh, well, okay, yeah, this is, this is, this is interesting and, and it's, it's important. And so I, I, I tell that, that anecdotal story to, 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 um, to share and to, to, to get the listeners to think about that in the end, you know, what we're doing in, in, in studying um, public administration is we're learning how to, to plan, uh, we're learning how to organize, we're learning how to do, deliver government um, uh, services. We're, we're learning uh, important functions that take place across organizations uh, and, and across of um, different types of, of, of organizations and having those administrative skills and competencies, you know, the ability to, to critically assess uh, issues and challenges and problems as they arise and develop strategies for either resolving them or, or definitely strategies for addressing them and, and then ultimately resolving them 
in a in a in a in a clear way, in a in a rational way, with many times limited resources, like those are competencies and skills that are transferable exactly. across different types of, of organizations. And so yeah, so I I did I did not major in African American history. Uh, I did not ma major in Africana studies, even though that's that those are, are two areas that I have always been interested in and have always been passionate about and have always been interested in studying. But I have acquired some competencies and skills. Well, more than some competencies. I think right? you're underestimating your abilities. So uh, that allow me to, to, to direct that kind sure. of program. I understand. I understand. You know, it's interesting because from my particular standpoint, I was in public service for over 15 years before I decided to go for my MPA at NYU. And so I had already had the focus of working in public sector for a while. But uh, for those, you, you, you bring up a very interesting uh, insight into those that are getting into public administration without ever having worked in it before, uh, and which is so important that the internships are, that are available during right. that period of time be taken advantage of to the fullest. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you don't just want, the theory is great, but you don't just want the theory. You want to be in the trenches. You want to see the experiences firsthand and how to be able to deal with that. I was also thinking, you were talking about the, you know, the African-American uh, experience in public education and the thing that, I mean, public administration. And the thing that first comes to mind from my HR background is the Title VI, is the EEOC, uh, which, is, which has been so important uh, through the ups and downs of uh, various, uh, various presidential administrations, which influence Supreme Court decisions. And that can either get a leg up or it can set you back. Uh, have you, and, and I would assume that's also been part of, has that been part of your focus? Uh, right. Yeah. So exactly that. So that I teach the, um, uh, I'm the co-chair of the human resource um, policy, human resource management and policy um, certificate in the public administration program. Uh -huh. And 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 so I teach that certificate. I teach the courses in that certificate, uh, as well as some some other um, uh, general PA courses. So I teach the the HR course, the the graduate HR course, and I've also taught the undergraduate course as well. And so definitely, um, when I teach the the HR course, we have a very robust discussion. I think it's an important discussion to have uh, about the, the Civil Rights Act, Title VII, <clears throat> right? And, and these discussions of creating ultimately, uh, and, and I say to my students, like the discussion, just look, for example, one example, affirmative action. Like the discussion that you would have in, in, in maybe 20 years ago focused on, on, on um, affirmative action. Mm -hmm. It's different from a discussion that you would, that I've had ten years ago. It's different from the discussion that you have now, right? right. And so, mm -hmm. and, and and clearly, um, um, this is sort of the policy piece. 
um, so important and that looking across presidential um, administrations and, and, and agendas, you know, that, 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 that um, discussion of, of, of discrimination and, mm-hmm. and anti-discrimination discrimination, such as Bucky. Yeah. Or, or, or even, you know, discussion of, I, I remember, and that was before I started the doctoral program that we actually had um, as an undergrad, undergrad, it's someone who, who came in uh, from the Urban Institute to discuss Baki, right? And so um, the Baki case. And so mm-hmm. you have these, you know, watershed events and, and, and moments um, that are, are, that resonate, right? Because that's an interest and, 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 and that part of it is, 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 is also been my life, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so definitely, um, those discussions are, are, are a part of, of I make them, I, I, I emphasize those issues and, and, and the evolution then has become this, this focus on, um, MPA, this focus on social equity as a, as a, as a pillar, right? And, and, and then trying to have very robust conversations and discussions with with my students, both the, the graduates and the undergrads, because this, this issue of, of, of social equity and fairness and inclusiveness mm-hmm. is important for, you know, the next generation of public managers and administrators. It's, it, you bring up an interesting point. I wonder if you've come across students or have known anybody in your own personal experience uh, of, a, of, a, of minority backgrounds that have actually undergone adverse treatment in the in the workplace or in the or, or, or in academe, and uh, how how they've managed to cope with those challenges and rise above them. Right. So I I think yeah. I- you say yes and yes and yes that <laughs> and so so um so that again there are there are legal remedies right um but um but the goal then is to to think about the the institution the organization where you are right and and that was a the very useful learning the um and then ultimately teaching in the HR course, right. just sort of enlightened and 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 raised the, my knowledge and awareness to of of and and thinking back about discriminatory and 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 um, practices that I experienced not at the university but that I experienced when I was in 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 corporate healthcare, but not having any knowledge whatsoever that wow what that person just did to me that that that's um that's illegal and and mm-hmm. and that this this organization uh this company could be in a lot of uh, trouble where i could go to the eeoc about um, this discriminatory practices and so that's a i think that's a the important um mm-hmm and useful contribution of education because you learn these things and then you you learn strategies for overcoming or resisting and 
Well, you know, it's 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 well. I'm talking about New York public sector, but in, in working in human resources as I did for almost 12 years, um, I came across um, instant. You know, the EEOC, the not the the affirmative action the department worked with us, and and I came across instances of uh, minority groups that uh, went for promotions. And maybe you can comment this based on, on your expertise. They went for promotions and uh, they were not selected because they did not meet the qualifications per the New York City civil service regulations for that particular title. But they immediately took the uh, position that they were not chosen for promotion because of their minority status. And I found that, I found that quite unfortunate. Uh, because in New York City, at least, and I can't comment for others. I mean, you know, obviously, any any people are people are judged based upon their BFOQs, their bona fide occupational qualifications, both from the civil service end and, of course, preferred qualifications that they may have, and it has nothing to do with that at all. But because of the stigma that was attached to uh, the uh, particular the, the particular issues regarding advancement of minorities in the workplace, they immediately assumed that it was because of their uh, of they were African American or whatever. It didn't happen, you know. It didn't matter who they were, and they would and they would immediately seize upon that to try and form a case. And of course, in my particular in one or two I, that I had, I was able to show that they were not chosen because they didn't meet the qualifications for it. Um, how in your in your experience um, have you have you come across that? How do you how do you, how is that dealt with? Um, aside from doing what I did, uh, but I just I just found that to be a little surprising. Well, I mean, the point that I make when I teach it in the the the, the legal aspect, legal impact um, chapter, and. The HR class is that you know I am not an attorney um, at right. all, and and that this 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 um this is an area that that requires requires a certain level of of, of expertise, uh -huh. um, right? But but the the but I think that my my sort of counterpoint though is in current practice and current cases and of, of examples and. And having having sat on on search committees and um, okay. a, across levels, right? Okay. This idea of 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 merit in and and qualifications, right? That what it what in fact does that mean? And that that even having these discussions that we use that we we present this the notion of qualifications and and merit as being sort of uh, objective standards, right? And 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 in that particular case, that it's uh, so it could it could be for um, uh, uh, application for particular positions, or it could even also be uh, application for admission to universities, right? So do you, do you have a GPA? Do you have the GRE score? Do you have these certain qualifications that would um, label you and identify you as being qualified to uh, hold this position or gain admission to this university? And so what I'm saying 
And as someone who's 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 been teaching this and having these discussions yeah. for like twenty plus years, is yeah. well, what about those qualifications? And, and and can we be certain, right? Can we be certain that 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 we're not using we're not engaging in subjective assumptions and mm-hmm. um and, and assessments assessments based on uh, subjective measures, but but suggesting that what we're doing is is objective. So these are the qualifications. How, how, but are we certain that they, they are in fact the qualifications to hold a particular position? So um, and we grapple. I grapple and and um, interesting. Oh, and and like for years there was a there was a case that I used. And um, that was um, out of the, the Don Cleaner and, and John Albandian text on personnel, which asked you know students to select the the best person for a minority recruitment director. It's like, what what about qualifications? Yeah. And how do you start discerning between um, um, if everyone has an MPA, for example? Um, okay. Do you do you make distinctions regarding where the MPA came from, or how, that that it that as, as you drill down, you, you might find some um, subjective subjective uh, uh, elements that are, the, are being mm-hmm. presented as objective. That's what the interview is all about, and I think what you're bringing up is a question of job fit, which is uh, a totally which is which is subjective, but is based on prior knowledge of the organization. It's very interesting, Doctor. I want to shift the uh, emphasis to uh, specifically uh, in Black History Month, um, and I just want to make sure you're there. Oh. Uh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> um, you, uh, it's, it's a very special time. Every every month is a very special time where we look to uh, memorialize and remember the contributions of uh, minorities. And of course, we're talking here about African Americans who contributed in in a very uh, major way uh, to our intellectual, uh, business, uh, socioeconomic, and other areas of development. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I think I just came across. I'm, I'm just thinking what's brainstorming here. But the Civil War, uh, the, the, uh, the African Americans who participated in the Civil War as soldiers uh, for, you know, for, for the Union. I'm not sure what the, you know, the Confederates probably would not have been, but, uh, but, but the, the major contributions that a lot of them made, and they were, and it was very. It was just looked, it was kind of under overlooked at the time, uh, but what, in your opinion, um, could you name one or two uh, heroes, so to speak, unsung or otherwise, that we should be giving appropriate recognition to this month? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I I, I feel like that it, that it it should definitely be sort of. Um, Year round, right? Because uh-huh. of the, the the contributions and 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 I I came up during the time I came up during a time when there was only um, Negro History Week. I remember 
celebrating Negro History Week in, in, in elementary school and from there to Black History Week to, to now Black History Month. And so um, it's interesting that you, um, that you mentioned the Civil War because most recently, um, I, the, the last two or three years, I've focused a lot of, um, a, a major portion of my writing on Harriet Tubman. Okay. Right? And so Harriet Tubman is most recently in the news because of a push to, for her to be placed on the dollar bill. On the, on the $20 bill, right? But even before that, I considered her a muse for, for my, my artistic endeavors, but also uh, as, a, as, a, as a mentor and role model uh, for service and, and contribution to what I call Mbuku was it's the community, right? This you are because I I am because you are. And so Tubman is interesting in the sense that she was a soldier, she was a spy, she was a nurse. We all know about her as and, and through the underground underground railroad and how many people that she she liberated from slavery. But I don't think uh, uh, some people may know, but um, but but she also was what, in my opinion, um, was a, a public servant in the sense of, of definitely her military service, her her service as a spy for the the the, the, the Union Army, and and um, and actually had to fight <laughs> to get her her pension from her war service, yeah. and she. She ultimately received a, a pension, but the pension was from her husband's service. So I look at Harriet Tubman, I write about her, but um, but bringing it a more 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 recent <laughs> to more recent times, and because I hope to to um, we hope to celebrate um, their legacy and and their stories on Friday at, after the Ask for Best Practices conference is Mr. Dewey Knight and um, uh, former Congresswoman uh, Carrie Meek. And, you know, Mr. Dewey Knight, I remember as a child, um, um, uh, as a teenager, I remember as a teenager hearing about him. And I also um, remember the, um, the first time I actually saw him at a, a community event and, and was so impressive because I had heard about this man who was, I think he was an assistant um, uh, county manager and he, he um, had had this uh, amazing background of, of, of public service. So I, I, whenever I have the opportunity, I, I want to sort of draw attention to Mr. Knight because he served for so many years because he was a, a, a major, I put him at the, the vanguard, at the band, like vanguard of public service. Um, he, he made such a significant contribution in, and served as a, a, a mentor and role model for, for many um, public uh, administrators and, and, and public servants around the, the county. And uh, so I always want to, to think of him at, at this time and, and throughout the year. And, you know, if you go down to the 111 building, you will see it. 
No, it's very, yeah, it's it's great. You know, my, my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that a lot of uh, Civil War veterans had problems getting paid. Actually, that's where red tape, the phrase red tape came out of uh, because of all the issues uh uh, that they had to uh, that they, that they had to undergo, but notwithstanding, uh, these two individuals that you mentioned uh, certainly have uh, can uh, have certainly. Uh, it's good that they're role models of yours in a sense, because I think because what I'm getting a sense of you is that it really helped to it contributed to uh, form a sense of pride and a sense of uh, a sense of accomplishment. In what these people had achieved, and which, and what you're trying to, and which you have achieved through your career, uh, by uh, by emulating, and I think, that, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the most important thing to get out of Black History Month to be able to emulate those uh, individuals that have um, that have, con- that have contributed in such a fashion. Uh, right. Agree? To make that history known, to, to make that history known to the the people who may not be. Uh, aware of the history, but definitely to to, to have the sense that that um, there are, there there are those whose whose I like to say um, whose shoulders we stand on, right, and who made it possible for us to. Um, yeah, I'm I'm constantly amazed by the first, right, that 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 even in 2021. You're you're hearing about first, but um, the first um, um, black woman who's held this position, uh, the first black man who has held this this other position. I'm 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 amazed that you know we're still dealing with first, but but the, for me it's 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 that you know we stand on the shoulders of people like um, Mr. Knight and 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 um, Former Congresswoman uh, Carrie Meek, who who blazed the trail, right? Who um, who eliminated in in many of those those barriers, and 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 not to say that all of the barriers are gone. They they, they some of them still remain, but that they they blazed that trail, and they're um, examples of 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 um, service leadership. Commitment to the community, public sector um, motivation. Very, it, it, very, it serves very, as a. It is. It's. It serves as a, a excellent examples and in, in motivation for 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 what's possible. Something we should be aware of, and let's not forget Kamala Harris. Oh uh, yeah, right. Yes, example. Uh, so yeah, first, um, 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 black woman, um, woman of color is 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 vice president. So again, exactly. Yes. Mixed, mixed uh, heritage, but certain, but but still in all, uh, woman and mixed and, and mixed racial background, who is the first vice president. It's a it's a tremendous tremendous achievement, and I think it's going to break open. That's a big crack in the glass ceiling, right? That, right. That, <laughs> yes. That, that women yes. have traditionally experienced, and that glass I, and, ceiling. And I only hope that that continues. Doctor, I want to thank you very much. Uh, do you have anything you want, uh, anything further to add before we sign off? It's been great having you on here today. No, I, I, I just uh, thank you for the, you know, thank you for the opportunity. Anyone who's listening, who's considering, especially you're considering a career path, uh, 
I strongly encourage you to consider, you know, public service, uh, make a difference in, uh, in, in our communities. It's, it's, it's very important. It's, it's rewarding. And, um, and you are needed. So, um, again, thanks for the opportunity. Um, um, South Florida Chapter of the American Society for Public Administration, um, my organization <laughs> for, for many years. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Doctor, is there an email that you'd like to give for anybody that might want to uh, contact you uh, regarding, uh, regarding this? Right. So um, I can be reached via my FIUL email at Patterso. That's without the N. Patterso at FIU.edu. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I want to see if uh, Izzy is still there because I know he's doing a million things. But in the event that he isn't, because uh, he had to, he had to run for a minute. But I would like to uh, now thank everybody for listening, and uh, we look forward to having you on next month. And hopefully, we will have a professor from North Central University uh, to comment on the role of artificial intelligence AI in business and how that can be translated to the public sector in terms of best practices. Thank you once again, everybody, for listening in. And please be well and stay safe. Take care.